1: The doctor's note that I received going home was absolutely stop working out temporarily and sleep. Just oh, stop. Wow. And that was literally my doctor's orders. He said, stop everything and please just sleep.
2: Welcome to That's a Hard No, the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries to help you become the authentic and empowered you that this world needs. I'm Heather Drago and I'm Sarah Saunders. I'm a middle-aged mom, wife, marketer and business owner on a journey learning to say no and set boundaries because I'm finally ready to live my best life. I decided to start this podcast to share what I've learned so far and help you live your best life, too. And I'm a 31-year-old mom
0: of three boys, a wife, business owner, and licensed professional clinical counselor. I'm here to share not only what works in my daily life, but also share evidence-based strategies to get you closer
2: to the personal and professional life you've always wanted. For those of you returning, welcome back. We're humbled and happy you've decided to continue on this journey with us, and we're so grateful for all the feedback we've already received from you.
0: For those of you who are new, welcome, and thanks for joining us. We're excited to have you here. Feel free to jump in with this episode, but be sure to go back and listen to our first episode
2: to learn why we are here. Quick reminder... While Sarah is a licensed professional clinical counselor, this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy with a mental health professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, we welcome you on this journey, but also invite you to seek out professional help. Go to this episode's page on our website and click the link to find a therapist near you. With that said, let's get started. We are thrilled to be here with Allie Clark
0: a wife, mama of two, certified registered nurse anesthetist, and co-owner of Pop Nation. She is here to tell us about how she said no to everything when her world got overwhelming. And before we start this interview, I just want to give you guys a little backstory about how Allie and I crossed paths. So my husband and Allie went to college together, and a Few years ago, after I had my first son, my husband knew that I was struggling. And he was like, You really need to follow my good friend Allie on social media. And I literally found her account and was like, I apologize, like major girl crush, was like stalking her account. And I was just like, Is she inside my head? Like literally everything that she was putting out into the world, I was like thinking those same things. And it was finally, I felt like I clicked with someone and like somebody understood what I was going through as a first time mom, postpartum, just, you know, struggling with all this stuff. And so listeners like Allie is one of the most authentic, genuine people that I truly have ever met. And I just appreciate her inspiration, her positivity, and just her ability to just be down to earth. So I cannot wait for you guys to hear this interview. So Allie, let's start with some background. Tell us about yourself, the many hats that you wear. Absolutely. I'm going to cry right off the bat. That was so nice of you.
1: (laughs) Um, So as you said, I'm a mom of two. I have Caden, who is a five-year-old, and Kensley is a two-year-old. I work at the Cleveland Clinic in pediatrics. I do pediatric anesthesia. So my whole entire world is children, professionally and personally at home, obviously. I'm married to my husband, um, who's a businessman and also in the military. So to say we we all have a lot of hats, honestly, both of us. Um, and I I took on, which I can tell you a little bit, a little bit more about it later, but I took on, um, Pop Nation, which is a company I started with my mom. So, uh, I can fill in the blanks, but that's, that's all of it there. That's lots of hats to wear. You have a lot
0: going on. And thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to be here with us tonight. Absolutely. So one of the reasons I really wanted to talk with you is that as a mental health professional, as well as a mom and a business owner, and someone who also struggles with anxiety, after talking to you, I just feel like your no was so bold and brave that I wanted you to be able to kind of walk us through your story and your journey about, you know, saying no in a very big, bold way.
2: Sure.
1: Absolutely. Um, I have to rewind a little bit. So, um, it's an important part of my story is I actually have always been a very laid back person. Um, always go with the flow. I was always the one that everyone would maybe even label as chill and, and, and just not high strung. So to take on this new anxiety, um, label was very, upsetting to me and, um, distracting to me because I'm like, this isn't, this doesn't feel like me. So it actually started with my first pregnancy with Caden. So he's five now. Um, and my whole pregnancy was not straightforward. It's, um, there was an extra layer there of being in the, um, health in the health field myself, uh, I, I knew what it should look like, it, you know. We or we think we'd like to think it should look like. It's and, like a blessing. Um, and
0: it's like a blessing and a curse because it's like you know too much.
1: Absolutely. So of course I'm I'm expecting a lot. Um, I've since realized that it, all of it is so different every single time. No pregnancy is the same. But at the time, being a first mom, being in healthcare, I had an expectation, and none of it went according to plan. Um I ended up on bed rest at 35 weeks. Um a lot of my issues had to deal with high blood pressure. Um and fast forward, I said I was on uh bed rest, I ended up having a kind of an urgency section, and almost immediately after having my son, I I, I I think of that as like the line in the sand, like from then on out, I was never the same ever. So, um, I was dealing with what at the time I'm not sure I realized it was postpartum depression or anxiety. I felt like a failure. I was very tearful. I was very stressed, very overwhelmed. I constantly felt, um, hopeless and helpless, but again, it was odd because I don't really feel like either anyone in my life recognized it for what it was and myself. So it was that was a big struggle um, in hindsight, because it really isn't something a lot of people talk about. I think it's becoming something that's a little bit more normal to talk about now. Um, But at the time, I really felt like I had to kind of keep it my feelings at bay a little bit. Because like, why? Why are you not just enjoying your new baby? You know, what's wrong with you? Why why are you finding the negatives and everything? So um, I really struggled with that. So I had actually been I must've fed Caden in the middle of the night and I couldn't fall back asleep. And I was scrolling on Instagram. And just like you had mentioned earlier, (laughs) I I too found somebody on Instagram and I started stalking her a little bit, you know, in a positive way. I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's so inspirational. And she was a health and fitness coach. And she had posted this video um, explaining her new journey or I shouldn't say new, it was a journey of her own anxiety, Um, that she was battling. And every word that she talked about, I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. This is like everything I'm dealing with. I couldn't put into words. And that's what she did. And I cried like hysterically listening to her video, reading her posts. And like I said, she was a health and fitness coach. So she had, she had essentially put an invite out there to me like, hey, I do coaching if you'd like to join on, um, you know, in this health journey with me. So um, I took off, I took on her offer, I actually became a coach myself. And I, I just started focusing on my own health and wellness, just trying to have a sense of control on anything. So if that was to prep my meals, or it was to work out physically, I wasn't even trying to think of weight loss. It was like, what can I do? What can I choose to do? That was that was something I can control. So my mind wasn't controlling me.
0: And what is something that you could do for you? Because I feel like that's what a lot of moms miss, especially in the beginning stages, is like our sole purpose, or at least the narrative in our head or the narrative in my head was like, I'm supposed to take care of this child, like, period. And we forget to take care of
2: ourselves.
0: And there's a lot of pressure
2: when you're a new mom that you should be so joyful and you should be so happy and isn't this a blessing? And so then if you're feeling anything other than that, you you feel guilty or inadequate or whatever. I mean, there's so many times I had difficulty as a new mom way back when, way before you ladies. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it was really hard to talk to anybody about it. People didn't talk about it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Must've been a huge relief for you to see that. Yes.
1: Yes. It was still one of those things, you know, I feel like there's still that, that, um, you know, you see everybody's highlight reel, even when they're talking about hard stuff, you're still seeing beautiful pictures and all that. So you still have that comparison. So I can't say I saw it and was like instantly, but it did help. It, it gave me perspective. And I was like, okay, this, you know, this is what I have to do. This is like, you're my step not alone. one. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I, I don't know, I'm an Enneagram three. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar. So oh, yes. I, that that means you're an achiever, a go-getter, you know? And so the moment I became a coach, I went all in and I went in full force, full steam ahead. And that actually is part of, in hindsight, the problem that I ended up with, um, needing to say no, because, um, in that, I have a newborn. I now have this fitness business and I was doing very well. I was climbing the ranks, building a team, um, doing all the things, waking up early, going to bed late because you know, that's what you do when you're a high achiever, you figure it out. You Whatever's important to you, you figure it out. And while it was amazing. And honestly, one of the best times of my life, I didn't realize at the time that I was burning, the candle from both ends, if that makes sense. So we decided to get pregnant again in that in that time frame, and I ended up having a miscarriage. And um, in hindsight, I I know that that was God saying you can't handle this right now. <laughs> like there's just no, it's the timing is not not right. So that was a wake up call for me. I was not only I felt like the the health and fitness coaching was a little bit of a band aid on the on the deeper problem I was ha- dealing with with postpartum. Um, I was kind of distracting myself through, through my issues. And then the miscarriage happened and I ended up meeting, um, you know, a, a DNC and going in for surgery. And it was just like, stop me in my tracks. And it, I was just like, Whoa, like you thought you were better. And this is, it was really humbling. It was like, no, you really need to figure yourself out. Like what's going on. So at that point I had, um, decided to see a functional medicine doctor and just to kind of make a long story shorter, uh, I essentially left his office you know I I don't know if you're familiar with functional medicine they ask a lot of questions and it's not all medical they even get into your personal lives and they really dig deep on the full picture I really enjoy it in that way
0: would you mind sharing like some of the questions that they
1: ask yes I mean it it, for me my experience is he had me start at birth how were you born How, you know, were you a C-section or were you, you know, a, a vaginal birth? And then from there on out, what was, you know, and it, it was in a complete timeline. Tell me about your childhood. Did you grow up in a traditional home? Did you have mom and dad around? Did you, you know, do you have siblings? Um, and I went through my whole timeline. You know, my sisters are much younger than me. Okay. What were you like in school? How were you like as a kid? I mean, they get your full information. And it's interesting because then once you come full circle and explain your issues or why you're there um, they're able to pinpoint a lot of things that's it's, it's weird because I don't want to say they act as, as you know, therapy. It's not like that, but they really can see how certain circumstances in your lives affect your health really is what it comes down to.
0: Well, and as a mental health, you know, professional systemically, you know, it's important to look at the whole family system, because you can't just, you know, slap a label on someone, there's a lot of different things that were going into it. And so it sounds like, you know, that was a really good route that you took talking with this functional medicine professional. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah
1: at the time going in, I was kind of self-diagnosing myself with, um, hormonal issues. I was like, you know, all of my problems started after Caden. It had to have been pregnancy. It has to be a hormone thing. Let me get all my labs checked out. Um, and then once I saw him, I left with the doctor's note saying, um, Well, first, which was interesting is he really, he really thought that my gut needed to be in check in terms of my intestines and my overall health. That's what they kind of specialize in is like your diet and all that. So he pinpointed a lot of anxiety toward that. But the doctor's note that I received going home was absolutely stop working out temporarily and sleep. Just stop. Wow. And that was literally my doctor's orders. He said, stop everything. And please just sleep. If you sleep, this will like a lot of this will go away. Right. And it was just like, so a big, Oh, well, and of course I read that in the car, half of me was angry. Cause I'm like, what kind of doctor's appointment is this? He's telling me to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And then the other half of me was just released and cried because it was the permission that I needed. I I could have given the permission to myself, but in the moment of all the hustle bustle, um, It was the permission that I needed from someone else to say, you've got to stop. You've got to really put on the brakes and and get a grip of your life, not by taking control, but by letting go and sleeping and relaxing and meditating. And he kind of gave me some tools there. But that was the big...
0: I'm sorry to cut you off. Do you feel like deep down, like you knew you needed to pump the brakes, but you didn't have somebody, like you said, giving you permission? Yes. Yes.
1: I don't know that I realized to the extent that I was overdoing it. But for instance, there were plenty of nights where my husband's extremely, I could, I could say I wanted to sell dirt for a living and he'd be like, "Babe, you'd be amazing. You can do that. (laughs) You know? So he was so supportive through it all. Um, But when my passion started showing when the, when the balance was too far the other way, when it was more stress, when it was, you know, creating issues in my life that he could see, he was starting to, to make comments like, Hey, is this really what you want? Do you really want to do this? Because I see, you know, you started with this passion and now I see all of this stress. So there were little things throughout the way that I I think I was trying to ignore maybe, or I was in denial. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't, you know, when that doctor had mentioned that, um, and I had a piece of paper, you know, with my hospital information on it that said, stop working out, start sleeping. And, you know, I was, that was my wow moment. I was like, okay, this is it.
0: And so because your identity had kind of shifted into this health and fitness coach, and then you literally had a doctor's order that said, no more health and fitness coaching. Like, Mm -hmm. what was that like for you?
1: So I left that doctor's appointment. I came home. My husband came home. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I just said, "I just need to stop." Like I, I literally, we have a dry erase calendar in our in our kitchen. I erased, I erased everything. And I just said, "We're saying no to them. We need to call them. We need to cancel this appointment." I called off of work the next following Monday. I just said, "I it was a mental health day," and I just said, "I'm sick. Can't come in." Um, and I. <laughs> laid on a couch, it had to have been seven days straight and just cried. And, and, uh, it was as though I actually had the flu. My body became symptomatic because it was like the release. It was like, I, I swear my body was detoxing from the world being lifted off. And I said to my husband, I said, I need you to take the reins. Like I need you to step up and like basically take all of my, whatever I, whatever we normally split, I need you to do it all just for like a week, like, let me, I need to go
0: lay in bed and just be a nobody for a minute. Um, and what I was you that know, like for you? I mean, uh, as women, I mean, like we, we have a tendency to take on more than we can handle sometimes. And I think part of the reason, you know, for this podcast too, is like being able to say no to certain things. And, um, you know, part of, you know, the partnership i have with justin is that we really do divide and conquer but it's still hard sometimes and it doesn't always feel balanced so for you to be able to tell your husband like no like i'm just i'm staying in bed i need to heal what was that like i will say one
1: thing that i think is a strength of mine is i i'm a communicator so while I said, I need you to do everything. It was every day I was checking in and just saying, I'm not okay. I'm going to check myself in somewhere. <laughs> if I don't get it together, I'm going to, you know, I was never deep, dark, and depressed. I was never like a doom and gloom. I was just anxious. It was, I had to pull the car over with Caden in the backseat because I was going to have a panic attack. It was, um, you know, and I would of course come home and be like, Tyler, I, I had to pull the car over for a panic attack. Like, I'm not okay. This is not okay. This is not me. So it was more explaining everything and communicating what I'm feeling from the day to day. And sure, if I was having a good moment, of course, I'd make the kids dinner or whatever. And the whole time frame, we're talking no more than two weeks did I really like Turn life off, um, but I turned life off. I did not sign on social media. I deleted the apps from my phone. I didn't check email. I didn't, you know. I, I ran businesses. I actually had to go into our virtual fit club that we had through my health and fitness coaching and say, "This is what's going on." I typed up this whole thing. I said, "I need someone to take over." And of course, the girls are amazing, and they said, "Yes, yes, we'll do it." Okay, we got it. You know, we run challenges and stuff. So I really had to uh like rally the troops mom, dad, sisters, friends, you know, I really had to to um figure out who could help me where and not feel bad about asking for it.
2: Well I wanted to ask you about that. Like, so it's sort of ironic here you were a health and wellness coach and that and that being so involved in that kind of drove you to this point where I have to stop doing this. How much guilt did you have to let go? I mean, did you feel bad about this? Was it hard for you to ask for help? I mean, so many of us are just clenched with tension because we have we have these self-imposed ideals of what we're supposed to be and it's very hard to let go of those things. I mean, how Absolutely. how hard was that for you? So, um I will
1: kind of remind you that the the way I got into it was my coach was dealing with anxiety. So it was very easy to paint the picture for her and for her to grasp the so- severity um, of what I was dealing with. And I had said, I, I used to use the words um, coaching as a trigger for me. Like I would find triggers. Um, and that was a trigger for me. And it was um, I can still, you know, talk about health and fitness with the girls who were asking me questions. I was okay answering some things here and there, but the moment that you placed the business into it, um, the business activities that I needed to be doing to grow my business, that was like a hard no for me in terms of I, I can't even like and I would again communicate. I I think communication is key. And I would just be open. I'm like, I don't count on me for any team goals. Please don't count on me for showing up on, you know, Zoom chats or calls, anything that was, um, a team focused thing. I really had to communicate saying, I'm, I'm really needing to figure my own self out right now. And I just, you know, I, you know, I come from a great place, you know, I'm a hard worker, but I can't do it right now. And and it, they, they took it, you know, and they're amazing people and they listened to me. And of course we constantly check in, but, um, it was actually from that point that I actually stepped further and further away and realizing um, it was what I needed to do. It,
0: it, and I think it's so great in such a message that we all need to hear is that communication piece and really being able to, I mean, have good self-awareness and to be able to say like, here's what's going on for me. Like you were saying with your husband, like Tyler, I had to pull the car over because this is what was happening to my body because so often, you know, I feel like, and I don't want to just, you know, say us as women, but I'm speaking, you know, for myself, is that we look like we have it all together. But then if you were to look inside of us, you would see all of the tabs open in our head and all of, you know, the things going on inside. But other people, were they're not mind readers. So to be able to say like, hey here is where I draw the line, here is what is going on for me. And then when you're able to be vulnerable, and when you're able to communicate that, it's amazing how receptive other people are. Absolutely. But I will say, I think the biggest thing
1: in that timeframe of, you know, a couple of weeks of trying to figure out what I, where I was going from here was unplugging and actually having this silence in my brain. And I'm a journaler, so I was journaling a lot. I was trying to meditate, although I nothing felt natural about it. I tried. And, but I, I did learn that it was almost a sense of meditation, just having the calm and having the clarity through that people would talk about clarity all the time. You know, what do you want? What do you? And I'm, I'm like, I don't know my brain. Like you said, I have a million tabs open. I have zero idea. But when I did shut everything out temporarily, I finally did have that pause or that silence where I'm like, Oh, okay. This is no longer serving me. I thought it was, but it's not. So I do feel like the whole unplug from life was really beneficial in my situation, especially.
0: Well, and and it sounds like you kind of did, you know, this, you you looked at what is life-giving versus what is life-sucking, and you were able to kind of then create your routines and systems based on that. The other thing, Allie, that I had a question about is you mentioned you had to unplug. So, you know, I was following you through all of this. And even before that, and you did have a very large following. And Mm -hmm. so what was it like for you to, um, you know, with a large following in social media, what was it like for you mentally, emotionally? Like, were you worried about what are other people going to think if I just you know, sign off or unplug? Like, how did you navigate through that? Sure.
1: So um, I will say, I never really worried about what others felt like. Social media, the people out there, you know, high school acquaintances, all of those people that you tend to follow on social media, or people that you know, you meet on social media, I was most concerned about my actual team and health coaching and um, my leaders and the people who are then, you know, under me on my team, who, who was I going to let down? I mean, this is something that they're trying to build a business. It's not just like some of these people, it's not a hobby. It's a true business that they are relying on income. So who am I going to disappoint or um, unintentionally harm by quitting, you know, or by stepping back? So that was my biggest concern. I will say with with social media, I did feel the need, and I, this might be my own personality, but I felt the need to put disclaimers out there. So I know I remember putting a post up that was like, unplugging you won't see me for a while this is what's going on and i did share a little bit just about anxiety that i was dealing with and I, and i kind of put it out to the stratosphere and kind of called it a day and again when i was kind of plugging back in i was like hey this is what's going on so i do again kind of comes back to just putting it out there and and communicating what's going on but um it i those people were when I say those people, I guess social media was very understanding. It was like, thank, thank you for being so open and honest about this. But I did have to have some like hard chats with myself on, I need to do what's best for me and my family and my coaching team will forgive me if that's what's best, you know, and I know that that ultimately was, was, um, what the truth, but I did get in my head a
0: little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, what what advice, like, would you give to people that are going through something similar? I really,
1: truly believe in allowing the space. And I kind of went on my social media, you know, with this following, I felt, I, I really enjoy, especially Instagram, I really enjoy that space. And I'm like, where am I going from here? You know, I have this following Um, You know, and it's not, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, but it's, you know, more than I know in my life. And I know that I do inspire people when I'm truly doing my job there. So where, you know, where do I go from here? Um, I ended up turning health and fitness into health and wellness. And in my brain, that was adding in the sleep. It was adding in the tools that I had learned through my storm. So the advice I have is to really search for those tools and listen, you know, and find other people that have been going through their own storm because I didn't make this stuff up. You know, I really did my research to, um, and, and what that looked like was listening to different healthcare professionals, but also listening to friends and listening, you know, you can search things on social media or you can listen to YouTube videos or, or whatever, um, in terms of your source of information. But for me personally, it was to be able to unplug and have that clarity. One of the tools that I found was, and I'm going to say this as a silly, uh, uh, I guess, proof on how silly you can get with this. I watched The Lion King like 102 times. Every single night I had anxious, anxious feels, I would put The Lion King on. I later found out that that's actually something that people do for anxiety. They try to find a movie or a song that they know what's going to happen. That way, they don't have to think about it. So, um, while I thought it was kind of sil- silly in the moment, like, "Oh God, just put the Lion King on," I did actually later find out semi recently that that's actually a really good tactic for people um, to it kind, kind of leaves of the,
0: the guesswork out of it, and it's like mindless. And it also, depending on when you saw that, when you were a child, so that childhood memory, it kind of then sparks some of that like comfort that will kind of help your body feel less, more at
2: ease. That makes me think of all the people watching the office reruns right now during the pandemic. It's just, you know, or friends or whatever. just, it's just comforting. Like old friends, you know? It is. And
0: Allie, I wanted, oh, I'm sorry. Go on.
1: Well, I was just going to say to your point, The Lion King is obviously from my childhood and it feels like, you know, a warm hug from my mom, you know, like I'd be on my own couch with a blankie and I'm like, okay, I don't even care that I'm 34 years old. I am going to, to (laughs) chill out in my inner child right now. And this is like, this is how we do it. And I would have it on repeat. And, and it was something that worked. So, you know, if I had to work the next day, which is interesting because, you know, I have a very high stress job. So none of my anxiety would happen at work. It always happened at night in my own, you know, the comfort of my own home, I believe in, in mom life is when it was fully triggered. And, um, yeah, so the Lion King and I—I I, I plugged into um, essential oils. That was another thing I plugged into. So I had little tips and tools that I did, but um, essential oils and and movies were were a big one up there.
0: I love that, and I kind of wanted to circle back to like your nighttime routine, just because you were saying that the doctor literally prescribed sleep. So what do you do in your life in order to make sure that you get the adequate amount of sleep? The biggest thing
1: for me was I was working out prior to going to work. Now, I have to normally be at the hospital at 630. So that looked like getting up at 4 a.m. and working out till 430, getting ready to be out the door a little bit after 5. Um, I only work three days a week because of the shifts that I do. Um, so that was the easiest thing to cut out was, okay, I can sleep maybe an extra 40 minutes if I don't work out in the morning. So let's start there. And then it was, okay, well, that really only adds 40 minutes. How can we add more time? So then it looked like, okay, when the kids are going down, especially my two-year-old at the time, she's going down at 7 PM, that's when I need to be in bed. So, if I'm up for an extra hour, fine, but I'm not on my phone, I'm reading an actual physical paper book and I'm, you know, using essential oils. I'm listening to, um, like calming music, or I like to listen to like rainfall on a sound machine and it's sure you might not fall asleep right now, but you're doing the things to to, to calm your your brain and your mind. Um, and that's what I would do. I, I would kind of, you know, fumble around a little bit for about an hour, but then that, ended up creeping itself up. So at one point when I was doing my best, I was going into bed by seven, falling asleep by eight on work nights and being able to work up or wake up, I'm sorry, at close to five.
0: And I think it's so important because this is something I talk to clients about is this like sleep hygiene. And so, you know, just think of a child, like you normally you give them a bath, you, you know, read them a story or you listen to, um, music, or you sing to them, or whatever it is, like, I want you guys all to, like, think, how do you put your child to sleep? And you have to treat yourself that same way. And, you know, you can go on the CDC um, website, and it has the recommended uh, hours of sleep, and it blows my mind, like, how many hours of sleep we should actually be getting, and then how many of hours of sleep we actually get. And I love that your doctor prescribed that because we have to go back to those essential things that we need, which is
2: um, food, water, movement, and sleep. Absolutely. Yeah, I can relate. I actually suffer from insomnia and I have for many years and I have fibromyalgia um, and that's very much related to sleep. And so I've had to develop my own sleep hygiene habits as well, which is you know, I I use a an e-reader, but it's the kind that's like the paper white kind. So it doesn't glow. And I have, I don't, you know, my phone knows to shut down by a certain time. And mm-hmm. I read the same stupid books over and over, very similar to mm-hmm. <laughs> watching The Lion King. Like, literally, it's like, it's like reading reruns, you know? Sure. Um, and I have found like, and there's even a podcast that's called Sleep With Me Podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it, where this guy just, rambles in this very weird non-linear way and it, you're you you can not focus on it so it helps you fall asleep um and so I've, I've this is something i've struggled with for years and years and it makes an, an enormous difference not only emotionally but just clarity of thought just being able to function with your your little kids in the morning like yeah it's it's sleep is crucial and Absolutely. I talked
0: about this on a previous episode, but a brain dump. And so that's something that you can do before you go to bed at night, just because what happens is like right. we, we especially as moms like and business owners and whatever you are, like your mind is constantly going and oftentimes you're on autopilot. So when you are able to take a second to just kind of like, Gather yourself. Your mind just starts racing with all of these things that happen throughout the day or things that you have to do tomorrow. And so, you know, being able to put them down on paper and then set them aside, it it allows you to get that out of your mind so then you can rest with.
1: Absolutely. I get so excited that you talk about a brain dump because that,
0: (laughs) if there's one thing
1: I could just preach to anybody, a brain dump, I don't know how you do it, but for me, it's everything, literally everything that's in my brain from the silly things to the important things go down. But for me, I then take two or three, no more than three of the most important things not even the most important, but the, of the things that must get done today. And that goes down on my planner. The other stuff does not go on my planner because then that's mental clutter. Because even though it's out of your brain and on paper, you can still see it. And I'm a visual person and I'm like, ah! so <laughs> I actually just picked like two or three things from my brain dump. And oh gosh, it makes such a difference. I think people think that it's just such a simple, silly idea and don't realize how powerful that can be.
0: Absolutely. Truly. And I just encourage clients I work with Um, oftentimes like before sessions, I set a three minute sand timer and I'm like, all right, we're going to brain dump before the session, because I don't know about you, but I just like went to my um, child's pediatrician appointment and she's like, all right, what do you want to talk about? And it's like leading up to it, I have like all of this stuff on my mind. And then in the moment I forget. So giving yourself, you know, those few minutes before the appointment to kind of like I just say, shake your brain out, you know, whatever. <laughs> and that might not always look like writing. So, you know, if you are artistic or it is calming to doodle or things like that, you can always use a brain dump, you know, to do something like that. Um, but I also think going back to kind of the sleep hygiene, it's it's so important to figure out there's not one size fits all. You know, Heather and Allie, you were both sharing things that work for you. It's just important to really be mindful what, what helps you relax at night. What is the best temperature of your room? Do you like lights, you know, um, on? Do you need a pitch black? Do you have to have something over your eyes, you know, a, a mask to wear at night? Um, and making sure also, like, are you drinking enough water before you go to bed? Are you drinking too much water? Do you need to eat something that has, you know, some good protein in it before you go to bed so you don't wake up hungry? Or are you going to eat something that is going to make you stay awake? If you are someone that works out, like, you know, is it going to, some people like to work out at night and that's calming. Other people, they'll be up for hours after they work out. So just some things, you know, I think is important to think about. Definitely. So besides the sleep, um, what else do you feel like has been a really monumental change that you really had to say no to?
1: Definitely my I'll call it social life, but that includes my calendar of events and social media. Um, and I will say My calendar of events in our personal life with our friends in real, you know, in real life that we're going to go see them in person, um, I always had something on the calendar between my husband and I, or if it's not friends, it's family. His family's in Toledo, so we would have to uh, travel. Um, So seeing friends, family, I I truly, I didn't say no... um, I thought everything is like a pause button, you know, like, okay, we're going to just pause everything right now. We're not going to go do this. We're not going to go do that. And I would say, Hey, it's just not going to work out. I wouldn't even really give a reason why. And I came, I came to find out that they never really needed a reason why. Um, I would just say, Hey, can't make it that weekend. You know, we have something going on and I just left it at that. And I found that I would stress about um, people wondering what was going on, but again, no one even really cares. So we would truly just stay at home in our own backyard and have family time when we could have been with a friend at a party. And I was, I, once I'm in the moment with my family, it was a big breath of fresh air. Like, oh, okay. It's actually okay to say no to people and I'm not going to be stressed about it. So I will say pausing everything on the calendar, when people ask for future events, I hear conflicting ideas about this, but what works for us is I actually don't answer right away. And I just say, let me get back to you. I, you know, we'll see, you know, whatever. Um, and then I kind of weigh it out with my husband and it's one of those, okay, it would be great. We don't have anything on that day, but we do have an event the day before an event three days before. We know ourselves well enough now that's too much on the on the week, so we don't look at the day anymore. we look at the whole week and what does this this week look like compared to next week? Okay, next week's really slow, so we could kind of stack this week and we'll be completely fine because we'll have all next week to chill out. Never again will I fill up my entire calendar or not have that white space on the calendar to. Unplug from the activities we've had. So there's now like a balance, like oh, we have three activities here. Okay, then we need at least two or three days of white space on the calendar. So that was a huge.
0: So, Allie, away. if listeners could see, I'm just like nodding and nodding and nodding because she is throwing <laughs> out like all of these truth bombs. So going back, I love what I heard you say in regards to it was more the anticipation of what people were going to think after i said no it wasn't and then you realize like you have evidence that proves i said no and they were actually fine it was more of like i was worried about what they were going to say or absolutely think. absolutely well, and that's even, you know, I had talked about putting the boundary around Sundays for us as a family. And that was something that a lot of things would happen on Sundays. And Justin and I, I would agree, like our relationship, it also flourished during this time because we really had to put our heads together. We had to figure out, like, how are we going to navigate this? And, and, you know, it's been such a beautiful thing. But it's also important to recognize, like you were saying, like, things we thought that we were required to do. It took the doctor giving you permission. It took the governor giving us this order. And I just think as women, we need to be reminding ourselves, we need to give ourselves permission. We don't need anyone else's permission. We need to give ourselves permission to do the things that we want to do to say no to the things that we don't want to do and to set boundaries where boundaries need to be set. Absolutely. For me, I remember when the stay at home order happened, a part of me like with the quarantine, like in the weirdest way, I was almost relieved that like, we didn't have all of these things that we were obligated to go to. But then it hit me like, who's really like, telling me I have to attend these things. Like I had this narrative in my my head that was making me assume I needed to be all these places. And then throughout quarantine, learning more about these things that were life-sucking, Justin and I made it a point to be very intentional and purposeful with what do we want to introduce, reintroduce back when we can start seeing people. And, you know, and I... Want to know for you, how did you start to decide what things you were going to start reintroducing?
1: Sure. I um, 100% agree. And it's almost like the permission I received from my doctor. That about needing to sleep, take pause, stop working out, you know, stop doing all of the things. That's kind of what the stay-at-home order did for a lot of us, I believe. Whether people realize it or not. Because I, too felt a sense of relief of like, we aren't allowed to go anywhere. We're not allowed to do these things. So therefore we're being forced to pause, to stay home. And what's nice for me is this, this happened after, my storm. So I already had the practice of, I know what it's like to hit the pause button. All mm-hmm. of you guys are freaking out. I know exactly <laughs> what to do. You know, like it was, I, I have to admit, I, I get embarrassed to say this, but I'm going to speak my truth. My husband and I, we have flourished through COVID and through yeah. the stay at home order. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mean to be insensitive. That's, I, trust me, I dealt with it at the hospital. I understand this is really scary, dark, and deep, but. We, we grasped onto what we could, and that was our marriage and our family. And so I, I think that my storm that I went to or through prior of practicing to pause, to stop, to reevaluate my priorities, once this came this year, it was like, okay, we've been here. We've done this. We know what we need to do. And to your point, adding things back to the calendar was much easier because I've already kind of practiced through that. Like, nope, we know that that usually you know, complicates things too much, we're gonna keep that off. Um, and then just lastly, it's in, it's it's kind of insane when you've had a stay-at-home order and you have to stop all things, you realize you thought things were requirements. You thought things that it, in your life were things that you had to do, and you're like, gosh, I don't I don't miss that at all. I don't need to do that. So um I definitely we're, agree we're with that. We're all there.
2: nodding our heads vigorously mm-hmm. in agreement. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is on the calendar and in person, social media was another po- uh, kind of parallel to that. And that was, I removed it from my phone um, because I don't know about you guys, but for me, if you truly pay attention of when you're on social media, it is sad. And I'm a person, now mind you, I was building businesses at the time, you know, on social media and it's, I liked, I was in denial that, that was an excuse, but the amount of time I mean, I was at the point when you're at a red light, I'm picking up my phone habitually just to open it to see that there's a notification or not. And sure, I would put my phone right back down, but that right there is is energy that you have to use and and if that notification, even though it took five seconds to read it and see it, what if it was something negative? You know, what if it was something political or, you know, or whatever, depressing or whatever? That that little two second time at a red light, flipping your phone open and closing it, just took energy from your life and is now going to be energy that I expel on my my family and my kids. So I realized that social media, while it's a beautiful thing, because I have grown and still am growing a beautiful business on it, I really had to dig deep on how my energy is being spent there. And by removing it from my phone, at least temporarily, um, to, because when it's off of your phone, you do realize, cause you pick up your phone and it's not there and you're like, Oh my gosh, I would have just gotten on social media or, Oh my gosh, I would have just checked this. So it really gives you that, um, kind of gut check of like how much time you're, and I don't believe we do it purposefully a lot Mm -hmm. of times. I think it's very habitual. We're on autopilot. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So as part of my business, I manage social media for clients and I will tell you, um, there was a time when it was all consuming and it burned me out. And I, to this day, I like, I, I hate Facebook. I'm sorry. I'm a social media manager. I hate Facebook. I won't look at Facebook from the front end. I look at it through the business end and I will only look at pages and there, and then I'll maybe check to see if, you know, there's a notification. And if like my sister posted something about my niece, I'll go look, but you know, that's kind of it. Um, but you know, these social media companies have programmed, Um, habit-making behaviors into the algorithms. Instagram holds back reactions and likes so that you don't see them right away. So you'll keep checking. They're manipulating us. And so we have to be mindful consumers when we use Mm -hmm. social media and decide, is this serving my why? Is this part of my mission? Or is this sucking energy from me? And so all the notifications for all social media are off on my phone. I mm-hmm. and I and I schedule, I talk about my schedule and blocking time. I block time to check social media and that's the only time I'm allowed to see it. So people think it's weird that I don't post more as a as a marketing company on social media, but why am I doing it? Just to be there and say hi, look at me, or do I have something to say? So I think it's really smart of you. I mean, if you're if you struggle with anxiety, These little boxes we have are anxiety building machines. So it's just really smart to protect yourself.
0: And one of the things, not only that I practice in my own life, but that I teach clients about is um, no phone zones and charging stations. And so it's really important. So um, like, you know, for us, there are no phone zone anytime during a meal. It's a no-phone zone. This is if we're at a restaurant. This is if we're at the kitchen table. This is if I'm sitting at my kid's play table. Um, We also, things that I talk to clients about is, you know, if there's like a playroom or a bedroom or, you know, drop the phone at the So like you leave your phone there and you go and you have that one-on-one time. Charging stations are great. So especially people that have a hard time separating, um, you know, work when they walk in the door, just have a charging station right there um, that you can, you know, put all electronics. So like iPads, cell phones, whatever it is, computers, because it then lets the kids know too. And I talk to my kids about it and I'll say, oh you need to help mommy, you know, remind mommy, if you see mommy's phone, you have to say, oh, mommy, go put it in the charging station. And they (laughs) think it's like hilarious, but it also helps them recognize like and make the connection she's putting this aside because it's our time. And so I would just encourage, you know, people out there, you know, to just be aware you can't change what you don't acknowledge. So just, you know, do we have something like that in our home and is this something maybe at night Part of that sleep hygiene, having, um, you know, your phones charged um, across the room, it's also a great way for your alarm clock to get your feet hit the floor in the morning and you're up because you have to go stand up, get out of bed and go and turn your alarm off. Um, But charging stations and no phone zones are something that I preach about.
1: I love that no phone zone. Um, because during all of this, we, I was toying with doing, you know, like putting the basket on the counter, everybody puts their phones in at a certain time. But that was actually a little bit anxiety provoking for me because sometimes with the online business that I'm running now, the evening is the only time I have, you know, when the kids go down or whatever. So, um, one, I love the no phone zones because it's it's the activity we're doing that, that that says whether you can have your phone or not. Um, the other thing, the other trick that I have heard is if there's something pressing that you have to do right now, whatever it is, whether it's business or, or just anything on your phone where your kids especially see your face in the phone, go to the office or go to wherever is your workstation because then they think, oh, mommy has to work. It's not... This. They're not being um ignored in their eyes. They're not, they're not second um on the list in their eyes. Mm-hmm. If you remove yourself from whatever you're doing and go to your office or go to wherever you would take you would consider your workspace, um, then their brain makes that connection of, oh, okay, mommy has to do work or or whatever. Mm-hmm. I liked that too. But I really I'm gonna try out the no
0: phone zone. for sure. And I, I don't wanna get too crazy on this, but um, Having background in art therapy, working with kids, it's a nonverbal form of communication. And one of the assessments that I do with kids as the intake assessment um, is the house tree person, and I do a family drawing. And what kills me, and I'm finding this more and more, that when they draw the family, oftentimes the parents have cell phones. And so (gasps) just be aware, just be aware. And maybe it's something that you can try, um, but, you know, and then if that does happen, if you prompt your child and say, hey, can you draw a picture of mommy or can you draw a picture of the family and say they did have a cell phone in their hand, say, all right, let's draw another picture of what you would like. Let's draw what could mommy do with her cell phone, you know, so to acknowledge it, don't shame yourself, don't guilt yourself. Again, we want to be living intentionally and purposefully, and we can't do that if if we don't even recognize what we're doing so don't beat yourself up but it's just something to be more aware of definitely so I want to hear about pop nation tell us about it it's my baby my (laughs) third baby
2: (laughs) so you should uh, see the grin on her face by the way if you could see this she's just grinning ear to ear oh gosh
1: you know, it actually, I kind of contradict myself a little bit because it was born in the mess. So it was like, I was, I was turning everything else off, but this was something that actually came about and was, is, you know, came to fruition in the mess. Um, but for good reason, which I'll explain, it was basically an idea between my mom and I, um, pretty sure over a glass of wine and,
0: um, Best ideas come when there's alcohol involved.
1: (laughs) Right? Oh, gosh. And so through all the health and fitness stuff, I'm, you know, I'm always, and and mom life, I'm always in a headband. Um, and my mom is very creative. My, my creative side comes from her and she loves textiles, fabrics, patterns, prints, and she was admiring, um, a headband that I was wearing and she kind of had an idea of how I should wear it or, or, or whatever. Um, and in in Pops, you know, I'm not, I don't even know where the dots connect and how we got the actual true idea to uh, start a headband business, but that is where we where we came to. And um, but it was you know headband business that's kind of like a little boring. Just you know, who I'm going to go start a headband business? It was kind of random, um, but it was a necessity for me, and it was fun for her and I because it was the fabrics and the prints and the textiles and. And so we ended up coming to the decision to make it more than just a headband business. It was about a mission and our branding was not going to be anything just specifically about headbands. It was going to have inspiration, motivation um, and just words of you know affirmations and all that for specifically women. Um, so we called it pop nation and pop stands for progress over perfection. And that was just near and dear to my heart because through all that anxiety issue, um, that was, I think if it wasn't purposely trying to be perfect, it was subconsciously trying to be perfect. And that was a huge driver for my anxiety. And I, through the mess of it all, had to really pay attention to, you know, oh gosh, I print things all the time and put things on wallpapers of my phone and all these words that, that inspire me. And so I wanted to do that for other people. So we kind of combined the two ideas. Hey, let's do a headband business. But yes, let's also be a platform where the branding of the headbands is absolutely
0: inspiring, motivating, and uplifting women. I love the pivot. That you were able to make because you were still doing what you love by inspiring and motivating and sharing your authentic self with the world. You were just doing it in a different way. And do you? It's funny that you, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and do you feel like if you didn't have that background, that first step with, the health and fitness do you feel like you would be where you are today
1: no and well well a big no of mine was having stepped away from health and fitness coaching it's still one of the best things I've ever done I and because it's not right for me I mean I highly encourage others to do it it's amazing it's an amazing field to get into uh, an amazing platform but pop wouldn't have been born had I not gone through that. Um, and I will say, having the platform speaking to uh, people and helping women through their health and fitness. When you're in health and fitness, you usually need a
0: headband if you're a woman, right? I mean, it,
1: not not always, but it tends to go. So, to your point, it kind of just allowed me to shift a little bit, and it did drop some of that guilt because I'm not I'm not just giving up on these women. I'm just inspiring them in a different way. So, I'm still using my words. Um And I'm still you know creating things, whether it be not only just headbands with my mom but also um, words. if you go to our you know social media, we have words and affirmations and and um positivity there, so it allowed me kind of to displace that and and give myself. Some grace because i was still going to do it in a different way.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what's so inspiring is that when you have what you were describing as this debilitating anxiety, we could have allowed that no to stop us right in our tracks. And the fact that you were able to say I'm made for more. I'm this is not working right now. I'm gonna put the brakes on, but I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna shift. And I'm still going to do what I feel in my heart I want to do, which is serve others, inspire others. And I think that that if if there isn't a bigger takeaway than like just don't give up. Keep going. And Heather, you mentioned in one of our first episodes, like when you're going through hell keep going, keep going. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, what choice do you have? Right? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I think it's interesting because in the, I love saying, you know, never give up on yourself. Just keep going one foot in front of the other. My husband's in the military. He always says head to the sky, feet on the ground. And I just constantly felt in the moment that stepping back from coaching was me quitting. It wasn't until I had that time to reflect what is my bigger mission. My mission isn't specifically to be doing this exact thing. It's to inspire women and to, for me personally, it's to relate to other people um, and to, uh, to allow other women to know that I'm going through it too. Um, So I realized once I had clarity that I didn't, I wasn't quitting. It was just, my path is different to where I'm going. And I, I, my, I was I'm still not quitting on my big mission. It's just in the moment, it's easy to feel like you're quitting truly, unless you have clarity on your big, you know, idea or your big why. So.
2: It's like you're living progress over perfection. I mean, you're really embodying that. Absolutely. Which is inspiring. And I find it it creeps in our everyday.
1: I mean, even just the other day I had to put a post up for I don't even remember what it was, but for the business. And I was like, oh gosh, I would have loved to say something more inspiring or put a prettier picture up or whatever. And I just kind of giggled. I'm like, Allie, put it up there. Like progress over perfection. What are you doing? Listen to your own words, you know? And yeah. so I was just like, Nope, it's good enough. Good enough. It'll it'll help someone. So it's a good reminder for sure for myself and for others.
0: Uh oh, I'm loving everything that you're saying right now. So is there any last like golden nugget or takeaway that you hope listeners get from our time together today? I just
1: think it's interesting. Um, it hit me differently because it was prior to the season we're in in our world, Um so, it seemed like a big aha moment personally for myself, but I think all of us are getting a little bit of taste through um our country right now in in terms of like different um climates that we've been in in terms- like you know being cooped up in our own house with our own family. I feel like we've all gotten a little bit of a taste of what it's like to pause right uh, i mean to some extent, I mean, I never stopped working but Um, There were things that we couldn't do anymore as a family in, in today's world right now. So I think it's just embracing the pause, embracing slowing down. Um, actually I have some books ahead of me that were some of my favorite. I don't know if you've heard of Emily Lay.
0: Mm. I
1: think think I'm saying her name right. Simplified life Mm -hmm. or when less becomes more things like that. I latched onto. So maybe it's because I'm a go, go, go type person. So it was just the natural opposite of what I normally am. But my, I think just my, you know, kind of golden nugget is to just allow that slow life, the slow living. And in that will come your truth or like your clarity that you truly need. Because obviously my story might be different from yours, but it's, I believe that we all can benefit from that pausing of just everything to just let in what you need. Mm
0: -hmm. And so what I'm hearing you say is to just give yourself permission to slow down. And when you allow yourself to just live simply doing the things that lights your heart on fire, that's when you are going to feel your true purpose and live the life that's best for you. Absolutely. Well, Allie, we cannot thank you enough for being a guest and for sharing your story. And we want to make sure that um, people can find you. So tell us, where can our listeners find you?
1: Well, I'm at... uh, On all platforms, Allie Klotz is my personal um, social media. And really there, you're going to find raw, real words with pretty pictures. (laughs) Um, And that's my personal mom life. And then um, popnation.me. And that's on Instagram, Facebook, and the website is
0: popnation.me. So... And you guys, these headbands are like buttery soft. They're absolutely They're so cute. adorable. I picked out three knitted ones I'm gonna order. <laughs> Ooh. Yes, and they have one, they have um, girl like little girl ones too. So mm-hmm. I mean, go check her out.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Special thanks to Rihanna Carusis of Collective Reach and the Social Distance Happy Hour podcast who inspired and challenged us to start this podcast and helped us produce our first episode.
0: Thanks also to our family and friends for all their encouragement and support. And to you, our listeners, for joining us on this adventure.
2: That's a Hard Know is a joint production of Clever Girl Marketing and Purposeful Growth and Wellness.
0: Cover art and logo design by Angela Giaco of A Pink Sunset. You can find her at apinksunset.com.
2: Music by G.G. Riggs. Until next time, thanks for listening.
0: And remember, saying no isn't just okay.
2: Saying no is the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no, then say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.